This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Okay, are you ready? I guess so. <laughs> this is a different setup. Yeah, it is. We are in a bit of a different setup today. We are in Mark's office, and we are sitting on the floor because we decided it was high time to try and record on video. Now, if we use the video or not, that's to be determined, but we're going to try. So... Welcome back to Death by Southwest, the podcast where each week I share a different grisly murder story unique to the American Southwest, while my sister and co-host tries to piece together the clues and unravel the mystery behind each of these heinous crimes. I'm your host, Margot, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Jenna. Today we are doing episode... 11? 11. Yeah, I, think I like that episode number. Episode 11. And you know what? This mm. is, I'm going to get real, real woo-woo here, but mm. episode 11, it's a one and a one, and we have a murder today about two women with the same name. A one and a one. Yeah. Mm. So today's episode features a peculiar story that took place in Houston, Texas in 2000, where two women, both named Mary Morris, were found murdered in a similarly violent way just four days apart from each other. These murders left everyone wondering, was this just a strange coincidence? Or is there something more sinister at play here? I mean, I could guess, but I also wonder, were they killed by the same individual if they were both killed in a similar fashion? It raises a lot of questions, that's for sure. And both of their names were Mary Morris. Mary Morris. An alliteration. And they look very, very similar as well. Okay. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. (coughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. So we've had two, the past two episodes have been both two-parters and both took place here in Tucson. 
so for those episodes, the second part, you know, we didn't do, I think for Isabel and, and Maribel, we didn't even do a sense of place geography thing because we had just done Tucson with Gary Triano. I think we talked about some reviews. Perhaps. We did on one of them. And then the other one, we talked about that homeless dog that we chased after forever. Uh, yeah. So this is the first time in a while we're going to do a geography sense of place. Cool. But before we do that, there was just, I know the last, you're right. The last episode we did, the Isabel and Maribel part two, we did reviews in the beginning, which I really enjoyed doing and talking about with you. I thought that was fun. And we got a review the other day that was not good. I at first was kind of like, ugh. It hurts my heart a little bit when we get not good reviews. I know it's going to happen, but I need to have a thicker skin about it. Um, And then I read it to Mark and I read it to you today. And and both of you kind of had the same sentiment that like, okay, this person is not understanding what what the bonus episodes are or how they impact the actual episodes. So I, I won't read the whole thing, but I just read this first part because I want to make it clear the point of the lookup list episodes. Mm. So this person said, I was hoping to like this show, but seeing a corrections episode land in the feed for every single story told previously has completely shot their credibility. Do your research beforehand, ladies, not after. I just want to respond to that. Look, for anyone who does not listen to the bonus episodes, that's totally acceptable. Understand it because they are very different than the regular episodes in that the regular episode, we are telling a story. Jenna knows nothing about it. So she is asking questions. She is acting as the listener and trying to just... I'm not acting. I am the listener. Right. It's a different kind of listener, but I am a listener. Exactly. So you are... That's right. Good point. You are a listener and you are reacting in real time. The bonus lookup list episodes are not... It's not like we're recording the actual episode with zero research and we're just like taking a stab in the dark, like, "Mm, I read one article, let me tell this story. And then when we get to the bonus lookup list, I'm going to retell it with actual research. That's not the case. I heavily research these episodes and tell it to Jenna. And then the lookup list, it's generally more things that kind of piqued your interest or that you wanted to know more about, that we do a little bit of a deeper dive and also... Yes, sometimes my research isn't right or I see something after the fact that corrects what I said in the episode. And so we're just clarifying, really. Yeah, you learn new information. And also, I think if I were to speak to this reviewer, which I appreciate the review, um, let's send them back to whenever, maybe it was the first uh, bonus episode, lookup list Mm -hmm. episode. We just touched on it, I believe, where it's like, if these people knew me. They know I ask a lot of questions. I had lookup lists in my own life. Right. In my own phone, I keep a lot of lookup lists. Just things that peak, like you said, peak my interest Mm -hmm. or I want to learn more about. Right. Plus I ask a lot of questions. So. Right. And it may not be for everyone. So then move on. Totally fine. But I don't, I don't want the lookup list to insinuate that we're not doing any research for the actual episodes. We are. It's just, well, you are. Well, yeah, I am. It's just this is a, a bit of a deeper dive. We're just going on little tangents, and half the time we're just shooting the shit. I mean, they're really a lot more casual. So I just wanted to respond to that. Okay. Okay. So today's episode takes place in Houston, which I knew and still kind of know not much about. Oh, um, me neither. Me neither. Okay, so where do you think Houston is? If Texas. You had- yeah. <laughs> a plus for you, Gold Star. Uh, Absolutely. Where in Texas do you think it is? Kind of, I want to say east, but I don't actually know that. 
Okay. That's you're my bit. You're east. correct. Yeah, it is. He's Northeast? Southeast. Shit. Yeah. So it's, but, but East was correct. It mm. is located in the Southeastern part of Texas, really, really close to the Gulf of Mexico, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, um, is it on the water? It is on Galveston Bay. So okay. there's some bays that all then lead into the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not, you know, you're not walking out your door in Houston and ending up on the beach of the Gulf of Mexico, but you're ending up on the bay. It's right cool. there. Yeah. Um, so it's a large metropolis. Um, it extends to Galveston Bay and it is located on the southeastern side near the Gulf of Mexico. It's 665 square miles. Do you remember how big um, Tucson is? No, but I want, I'm going to make a guess as to whether it's bigger, smaller, or similar. I'm going to say a little bit smaller, but semi-similar. Tucson is about 240 wow, square miles. Wow, much smaller. Yeah, much, I mean, way much smaller. It's the fourth most populous city in the nation. And in 2018, there was about 2.3 million residents. So it's the fourth most populous city. What do you think the three... Right, I was just I was writing that on my lookup list in case we didn't address that. Uh, New York, uh huh, Chicago, uh huh, L A. You got it. Houston is fourth. Yep, above Seattle, above yep. San Fran. Yep. Wow. Yep, it's the largest city in the southern U S. and the largest city in Texas as well. Largest city or most populous? Most populous. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I found some fun facts about Houston. I'm not, I'm going to say they are not my favorite fun facts, and I. I've liked some of our past fun facts more, but I, I guess, you know, I won't, I don't want to qualify it too much, but let's just, so let's just get into it. Okay. Do you know anything about Houston? Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Everything's bigger in Texas. No, I don't, I don't think I do. Okay. It's not the capital. That's what I know about Houston. Right. There you go. It is not the capital because Austin is the capital. And we have done an Austin episode. Actually, somebody left a comment on our Instagram today saying, do a New Mexico episode. And I was thinking, we've done a New Mexico episode. We actually have not. And I love New Mexico. So that's my goal is to find an episode that takes place in New Mexico. So if anybody listening has any suggestions, please, please, please DM us, email us, just let us know. Okay, so fun facts about Houston. I've also never been to Houston. So this is the title of this fun fact. But just wait before you comment. Houston was the first word heard from the moon. Mm, not totally true. So nicknamed the Space City, which I feel like you'll love. Houston is home to the Johnson Space Center, the training base and home for our nation's astronauts and the site of mission control. In fact, it's long been said that Houston was the first word uttered from the moon during the famous Apollo 11 mission in 1969. While that's since been debunked by astronaut Buzz Aldrin, it's, it's a t he said it's a technicality, but if you want the first words from the moon, they were contact light. Was it that people were thinking, Houston, we have a problem? For a long time, people believed that Neil Armstrong's first words to Apollo 11 mission control from the lunar surface were Houston, tranquility base here. But I found some other sources that said that's not true. Buzz Aldrin said 
that's kind of a technicality. The first words were contact light. So, you know, who knows? But apparently many Houstonians still take this claim to fame very seriously and say that Houston was one of the first words uttered on the moon. You know, I'm going to have a lot about that that I won't ask here. That's going to be in my questions for the lookup list. Yeah, for sure. I almost wore my space shuttle sweatshirt today, Mm. which I bought in the boys department of Target a couple years ago. Um, But now I know I'll wear it (laughs) on this lookup list. So the greater Houston area is considered the most ethnically diverse metropolitan area in the United States. How many different languages do you think are spoken by city residents here? Which could mean even just two people speak a language when they take a census. Um, I'm going to say 54. 145 languages are spoken by city residents and 90 nations have consular representation in the city. So they have like consulates in the city. 90 nations. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. This one's kind of weird and interesting. So residents in Houston eat out more times a week than in any other city in America. I wonder why. I want to know, first of all, how many times a week do you think that Houston residents eat out on average? Um, 4.3. Residents in Houston eat out 6.9 nights a week. I mean, that's... That's every night, essentially, on average. Is food really... Is takeaway and eat out food really cheap? So it might be because the average meal costs less than the national average... Or it, beca- it could be because Houston has some of the most delicious foods and restaurants. It's known as kind of like a food city, although it is not a UNESCO mm-hmm. city like Tucson. So there are four meals that are the most eaten restaurant food items in Houston, and they are all very different. But I'm going to give you clues because like you can't just pick out of all the foods in the world. Okay, so one of them is what Austin, Texas is known for. Breakfast taco. Yes. Breakfast taco. Okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. Another one is something that you can get here. They have little stands on the side of the road. Your husband's family has a party for these. Tamales. Yes, tamales and breakfast tacos. The third one is a type of soup. It's an Asian soup. Pho. Yes. And the last one you won't get because I never heard of it. And it's called Viet Cajun Crawfish. Well, pho is Vietnamese, so right. Vietnamese slash Cajun uh, meld. What do they call it? Like a, like a fusion. Yeah. Oh, good job. Fusion. Yeah. So the tamales, breakfast tacos, pho, and Viet Cajun crawfish are the most eaten restaurant food items in Houston. Cool. Yeah. It also has the largest number of food trucks in the U.S. Um, what? More than any other city. More than Portland. Yep. This is super cool, and I really want to remember to post a picture of it because this freaked me out and also interested me. Houston has an underground pedestrian tunnel system. The tunnel is 20 feet below the ground and runs for seven miles, linking 95 city blocks. It originally connected two downtown movie theaters, but now connects much more, including major city buildings, restaurants, and retail stores, almost like a mini underground mall. Now, are regular residents slash pedestrians allowed yeah. to walk down there? Yeah, it's just, it's it's for pedestrians. It's just a pedestrian tunnel. Huh? That's kind of cool. I did it must see make a, the foot traffic up on the streets much less. Up top, but like yeah. really cool. And... I just watched the most recent episode, I know you haven't seen this, but of The Last of Us on HBO mm. last night. And it really, I don't want to like spoiler 
alert you, but well, you can spoiler alert me, but maybe not the listeners because I, okay, I don't so care. Listeners, I've never seen have, it. If you've never seen The Last of Us, maybe don't listen. It's not a huge spoiler alert, but anyways, I read that and I was super intrigued because in last night's episode, which is like episode five or six. It's like they have to escape this infected city and the only way to do so is by going underground and there's like all these tunnels. And I thought, so cool. It's super intriguing to me. And also I'm highly, highly claustrophobic and I would I would never be able to do that. I would die. Well, would- but why? Because a lot of, I haven't been to a lot of underground places, mm-hmm. but I think some of them at least are very kind of open. Like you go underground and it's quite open. Oh yeah. I mean like it, at least in the show last night, it was like, it's just that you don't have a direct way out or something. That's it. It has nothing to do. I don't love small, small spaces either, but it's more, can I get out to fresh air immediately and quickly? And if not, then that triggers my claustrophobia. This reminds me at some point we should talk about the cave that I'm all, yeah, I've been in there a hundred times. The spiders. We yeah. started to talk about one time we never oh, we finished. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this is interesting. Oh. You've probably heard the phrase. A, a lot of this I'm I'm reading verbatim from a specific article. So um and you can find that on our Google Doc with our resources. Because I want to make sure we give credit to everyone that we use their written word. Um so you've probably heard the phrase everything's bigger in Texas, which we discussed in the Austin episode. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how just how much bigger is Houston than other metropolitan cities? So I already told you it's 655 square miles. There's seven cities, seven pretty big U.S. cities that collectively could fit, all of them could fit within Houston. And I want to know which in ones the, you think. In the acreage or area, like mm-hmm. the land acreage. The mileage. Thank you, mileage. I have to pick seven that are going to fit within Houston? All uh-huh. seven put together, or there's seven that could fit in, like, one at a time? It's a great question, because it says, at 655 square miles, the city of Houston could contain the cities of blank, 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 I bet blank, it's not blank, all together, blank. because think, Tucson is a third of Houston, so what, add, add, add six more to that? All right, well, I don't should know. I just tell you? Yeah, just tell me, because okay. I'm not sure the precise question. So... At 655 square miles, the city of Houston could contain the cities of New York, Washington, Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, Minneapolis, and Miami. You're right. I don't know if that means collectively. I mean, look, New York is very populated, but it is not as sprawling as other cities. However, Miami is kind of sprawling. Also, you said the city of Washington. I'm guessing you it's mean D.C. DC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I made my yeah, little face to. I know. Okay, yeah, I think that's what it means. Each one could fit, fit within well it. within. Not all together. I don't think that's all together. That's a good look up list. Let's yeah, clarify I don't that. think all together, but. It's the second fastest growing city in the U.S. behind what? Somewhere in Washington. Behind New York. Damn it. This is owed to thriving medicine, engineering, oil, gas, and aeronautic industries. Hmm. Houston has been the filming location for hundreds of Hollywood blockbusters, including RoboCop, RoboCop 2, excuse me, um, Space Cowboys, Armageddon, Apollo 13, Tree of Life, Boyhood, and Evening Star. I've only seen a few of those, and I refuse to watch Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah, sad Ethan Hawke movie. Okay, I have a question before, if because I feel like you're going to move on from the sense of place soon. I am. 
elevation. Elevation and like climate. I get probably no one gives a shit. So the climate in Houston. In Houston, the summers are hot and oppressive and the winters are cool and it is wet and partly cloudy kind of year round. Um, it varies over the course of the year. I mean, this seems like a really big variation, but it says it varies from 47 degrees to 95 degrees. Rarely gets below 35 degrees or above 100 degrees. Well, that's, I mean, think Tucson would even be more general or like more expansive. Yeah, like way 28 more. to 110, 11, 12. Totally. Totally. And so, but they, it sounds like they're more um, humid. A little bit, I would assume, because they're more East Coast. Yeah. Average annual precipitation is 47 inches. Oh my gosh, that's way more than Tucson. What's the elevation? It says sea level to about 50 feet above sea level. Well, well because it it's right, right there. there. Yeah, It's like right on the Galveston Downtown Bay. Houston stands about 50 feet above sea level. Yeah, because it's right at the water. The highest point in far northwest Houston is about 150 feet in elevation. Let's just call it sea level, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Hmm. Yeah. So let's get into today's story. And as I said earlier, today's story focuses on the murders of two women who never met, didn't know each other, but were both named Mary Morris. And sadly, both suffered a very similar violent death. The two women were murdered just four days apart from one another with each of their bodies found in their cars only about 30 miles from each other in different parts of Harris County, Texas. And for investigators in Houston, these murders were a first. They could not recall two people with the same name being murdered in the same week ever before in their city of over 2 million people. So the question was, who were these two women who not only shared the same name, but shared the same violent ending to their lives? So we're going to start with Mary Lou Morris. And Mary Lou Morris was a 48-year-old bank loan officer for 15 years. She was living outside of Houston, Texas in a town called Baytown with Jay, her second husband. And she also had a daughter from her first marriage, Marilyn. And that was her first marriage was to Jim Henderson. So Marilyn was their daughter. And then they separated. And later in life, she met... Jay. Jay, she actually met him from a an ad in the newspaper, like a, a singles ad in the oh. newspaper, and they met and fell in love and um, got married. Mary Lou Morris, and I'm saying it, I'm like extra enunciating that because there's another Mary Morris in the story. Right. Right. So um, Mary Lou had a passion for horses. She loved horseback riding and she owned several horses. She also loved gardening and apparently was known for... Um, having beautiful rose bushes that she was super proud of. And she actually used her, she used manure from her horses to fertilize the roses, which um, apparently was, was very helpful to making them grow beautiful. Smart. Yeah. So she had short, dark, kind of permed curly hair, brown eyes, and um, a pretty round face. And she was described as having many friends and a very successful career. She moved, she started as, I want to say, a bank teller and then moved kind of up the ranks at Chase Bank to become a bank loan officer um, over her, over the course of her career there. 
Everyone who knew her said that she was very friendly, very outgoing. She had no enemies. She was full of life. Like she was 48 at the time of her death, but everyone, every interview that I found about her, they were saying that she was like a 20 year old. Like she was always coming and going and wanting to be on the move and doing different things and trying different things. And her family described her as an active, devoted, kind woman. Her daughter said she was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to know. Um, She acted like she was 20. She was always going somewhere. She was always doing something. She never missed a day of work. She was super dedicated to her job and she loved her friends and family so incredibly much. So cool. October 12th, 2000, Mary Lou, and I think she just went by Mary, but I'm going to say Mary Lou so that we can differentiate Uh between them. So Mary Lou said goodbye to her husband, Jay. Apparently they, they were very much in love. You know, this was her second marriage and they, um, every morning they kind of like to talk and catch up about what the day before them held and whatnot. And he would walk her out to her car and they'd have coffee together. They kind of a morning routine. So they did that. And she said goodbye to him and left her suburban home to head to work. It really felt and seemed like any other day. But unbeknownst to her, this would not be just like any other day because Mary never arrived at the bank that day. And her husband, Jay, tried to call her several times throughout the day, but she never answered. And was that typical? Like, he would just check in with her probably like, hey, what's going on? Yep. 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 They would check in throughout the day. And so he called her to check in and, you know, it was not specific as to the reason, but just to say hi, check in, how's your day going? She never answered, which was not common, apparently. You know, I always find discrepancies when I'm researching. So I found a couple different things. I found one account that said he called her supervisor at the bank and her supervisor told him she's not here, she's not at work. And then I found another account that said the supervisor called him and said, hi, is Mary home? And he was like, no, she's at work. And the supervisor was like, she never no, showed she's up. not. She never showed up today. Oh, interesting. Okay. So either, either which way, way, they both found out at some point that, right. that Mary Lou wasn't at work. Exactly. And that was very out of character for her. She never missed work. So Jay was obviously worried kind of initially. And then by about 5 p.m. that day, he was he still hadn't heard from her and he was incredibly worried. So he called the police and reported her missing. To file a missing persons report, sometimes I've heard, I don't know if it's within your research or other podcasts where, oh no, it has to be 48 hours or it has to be this many or this has to be. So like- I actually have an answer to this because you're right. I did. I think that a lot of people assume, and I'm guessing this is from TV or movies, that like you have to wait 24 hours or 48 hours to report a person missing. Most of my research has not supported that. That That's not the case. You can report somebody missing as soon as you want. Like if they were supposed to be somewhere and they didn't show up for two hours, you can report them missing. Okay. That's I think good it to does, know. I, I do think that perhaps it depends on the locale, like the, what did you say? Municipality. Exactly. Yeah. Or the, or even the particular police officer somebody sure. might be like mm, this doesn't seem concerning like let's wait it out but realistically you don't have to wait you can file a missing persons report as soon as you want anytime and i guess anytime. then the question would be and yeah. we don't have to answer this but then the question would be okay so you can file it at any point what makes whatever pd jump on it versus say okay let's give it a little more time right yeah i don't know 
Right. That's a great question. Don't miss what happens next in today's episode. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Okay, so Jay knew something was wrong. He had reported Mary missing. And several hours later, an ATV rider, somebody who's just out riding their ATV, found a badly burned body inside of a smoldering Chevy Lumina alongside a remote road about three miles from where Mary Lou Morris lived. The body was burned so badly that it was impossible to determine just from looking at it who the victim was. And the police were quickly notified and CSI arrived on the scene to look for evidence and try to determine who this victim might be. By this time, Jay, Mary's husband, was imagining the absolute worst. So when he heard from a friend that a burned body in a burned out car was found near, near the interstate, he had a sinking feeling in his stomach. And he picked up his stepdaughter, Marilyn. How old was she? She was an adult at this point. I don't have an exact age, but she was an adult. Okay. Um, That's I think she actually had a child. So, okay. and, and they decided to head to the scene. Weirdly, according to Marilyn in an interview given years later, Jay didn't seem to be in any rush to get to the scene of this burned out car that he was hearing about. And when they came to the intersection, Marilyn was prepared to turn in the direction of the highway towards where they heard this burned out car was. But Jay insisted that they continue on a rural road that didn't head to the highway. They didn't have the exact location of this burned out car. His friend said he heard it was in this area. And so they, Marilyn was like, okay, well, this is the way to get to like that area. And Jay mm -hmm. was like, no, 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 don't take that way. And said, go this way instead, which seemed kind of like a, an abstract way to go. Hmm. Marilyn said, okay, fine. Jay's more familiar familiar with the area. I'll take this way. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of went this back roundabout way where she was like, how are we going to end up at this, where this car is? But lo and behold, they did come across the burnt out car. There were police everywhere and they kind of came up from like the back end of the crime scene. Unfortunately, the police refused to release any information to Jay and Marilyn and asked them to turn around and head back home. And they wouldn't let them see probably into mm -hmm. the crime scene, right. into the burned vehicle. Right. So they were both, you know, mm -hmm. worried and, and frustrated, but they were trying to believe like, okay, it's just a coincidence that our mom and wife went missing the same day that this burned out vehicle with this body in it was well, found. And I'm guessing that Mary Lou didn't necessarily drive a Chevy Lumina. 
She did. That was her car. Uh, they didn't know that, though. Okay. Okay. That's a big piece. Because if they had known that right. and they said, like, okay, well, let's just hope it was just a weird coincidence. No, it's no. like, was it? No. At the time, okay. they didn't know that the burned up car was a Chevy Lumina. That's important. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, I, again, I found a couple accounts that said several hours later and then others that said several days. Several days seems more realistic to me. But either way, um, not long after they went up to this scene, were turned away, the police um, came and notified Mary Lou's family that they, in fact, had identified that body as Mary Lou. Did they say we identified a body or that body? That body was identified. So her body was so severely burned that they couldn't identify it in any other way than from one tooth fragment that they found at the scene and they were able to use that to identify her remains. Also, it was so her body was so badly burned that it was impossible to determine exactly how she had been killed. They did find that her body was in the passenger seat, which seemed weird because when she left that morning, she was headed to work alone by herself. In her Chevy Lumina. Yes. But her body, when they found the car, her body was in the passenger seat. Mm. And they claimed, the investigators claimed that the car had burned so hot and so quickly that a, a kind of a typical accelerant like gasoline couldn't have possibly been used. Instead, they suspected something else and they weren't sure what exactly but one possibility was manure may have been used as an accelerant because that actually apparently does burn hot enough and quickly enough to cause the extreme damage that had been caused and we've talked about manure a few minutes ago because she planted her rose garden in it and of course I've known or not of course but I have known um, that manure any animal uh-huh. or human can be used as an accelerant to grow no as oh, a to fertilizer. fertilizer oh Even human sh- poop yeah when i was in nepal we didn't have a toilet obviously because we were outside uh-huh. so they forged a like a wooden poop bathroom, porta potty potty with a hole raised off the ground and toilet paper here and underneath was you know, a hole raised off the ground and then a bunch of sawdust. You'd go to the bathroom in there and it was someone's job, which we would switch once a week because then there was a bucket up here of sawdust to sprinkle on top of whatever you did and you'd and put it in the garden. It really, we had a beautiful garden. It's it's gross and also awesome all at the same time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all the Not things. Not sure I could do, did you do that? Yeah, because it, the sawdust really i don't know cut the science the behind smell. that it cut down on the smell and it just kind of broke all the uh, so it wasn't so poopy stuff down yeah no yeah. wow okay so they thought it could be manure mm-hmm. or yeah manure that yeah. helped accelerate the fire wow yeah, yeah. So for Mary's daughter, she had said at the time that the worst part was not knowing. They couldn't determine her cause of death. So her daughter had said, how do I even explain to my little one what happened to her grandmother when I don't even know what happened to her? Because there was no, you know, her body was just so badly burned. There was no way to tell what had happened, how she had been murdered. Was she murdered by being set on fire? Was she murdered prior to and being set on fire? And then to try and right. get rid of the her body right. uh, and evidence. <clears throat> uh. Right. So 
obviously the biggest question in everyone's mind was who would do this to this well-liked, loving mother, wife, and friend who seemingly had no enemies. The police questioned her family about any you know, possible kind of proclivities that could put her in danger, but she didn't gamble. She didn't drink. She had no outstanding debt, no affairs. There was seemingly no reason that anyone would want to murder this woman. And police quickly determined that robbery had also not been the cause because people thought like, okay, well maybe, you know, she had been hijacked and jewelry or cash in her bag. Right. What about her first husband, which I know that's such a typical route to go, but Mm. that's something you didn't mention is like, they just ruled him out. Yeah. He, I, I, Honestly, I didn't find a lot he of information on him. He wasn't really a factor. Okay. They had a decent relationship, and um, there was no animosity from what I could tell between them. Um, and police quickly determined that it also was not a robbery because there was she had been wearing um, a good amount of, of more expensive jewelry at the time, and it had all been melted onto her body. So it hadn't been taken. They hadn't removed it beforehand. Um, her wedding ring was missing, and um, some, you know, remember this is 2000, so cell phones are like not really a thing. So she had some kind of calling cards, like phone calling cards, um, and those were missing. And then I found some accounts that also said her wallet was missing, but th- she didn't have any cash in it. But how do they know if everything was so badly burned that all they could identify? I get they identifying didn't know until someone, later. But how? If everything was so You'll badly burned? out. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. That that's a really good question. You're really on the ball because I didn't even think that. But yeah, you'll you'll find out how they knew that everything was so badly burned, but they could see they could make out the jewelry that she was wearing that had been burned onto her body, and and the wedding ring was not there. And yeah, that that okay, I could get by that. But when you said like her wallet could have been gone or some right. calling cards, like those would have melted down to mush. Right. Yeah. Right. So during the investigation, Detective Robert. Tonry noted she has no apparent enemies, no drugs, no affairs. It has been hard to track down suspects just short of some mysterious person that abducted her. We have no idea what happened. And her daughter, Marilyn, also said, I have no idea who would want to kill my mother. She was nice to everyone. Everyone the police interviewed never had a bad word to say about her. Um, She said, I think the biggest mystery is why? Why would someone do this to my mom who was liked by everyone? Can I ask you a question? Even though you know how this turns Mm -hmm. out, I have no idea. But when you got this far, maybe before you knew what happened, and I don't know if that actually played out like that. Did you have any theories? Because when they rule out like enemies, robbery, uh, whatever, affairs, uh, drug influences, owed money, you ruled kind of all of that out. Mm Mm-hmm. I have one last thought that doesn't really connect, but I wondered if you did. Tell or maybe it's hard thought. to say that once you know. Yeah, tell me your thought because you don't know. I don't know. And all I, th- the only thought in my mind, okay, so none of those things I mentioned. The one thing that sticks out is she works at a bank. Mm. I feel like that's not it. That's a good thought, actually. Okay. Well, I, li- I, don't, I don't dislike that thought. Another kind of small factor in this was that no one could account for where she was between when she left home at around 6 a.m. and when the fire was reported around 10, 20 a.m. So if you remember, her husband around 5 p.m. reported her missing and then heard around that time from a friend that a burned out car had been found. But around 10, 20 a.m., someone had called the police station, you know, anonymous tip saying, 
I see smoke coming up from this kind of area in the woods, this remote area. And police were like, "Mm, I think it's probably just a controlled burn. So they didn't investigate it until the ATV rider came across the burned out car. Second call they got, then they investigated. Right. So, But they were kicking themselves. So that was on October 12th. The next day on October 13th, the day after Mary Lou's death, allegedly the Houston Chronicle received a puzzling phone call. The man on the other end of the phone said that they had got the wrong Mary Morris. And everyone was completely baffled by this phone call until just three to four days later. And that brings us to the other Mary Morris in this story. And that's Mary McGinnis Morris. So Mary McGinnis Morris was a 39-year-old healthcare worker, nurse, living outside of Houston in Sugarland, Texas. So if you recall, Mary Lou Morris lived in Baytown. And this is Mary McGinnis Morris, the second Mary. Sugarland. Sugarland, Texas. It's essentially about a 45-minute drive from Baytown. So it's kind of on the other side of Houston. You know, if you're looking at all of Texas, yeah, they're pretty close. But it's not like it's a five-minute walk. Like a handful of miles pretty close or like 25-ish miles. 20, 25-ish miles. Okay, so like an hour drive. 45 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So Mary McGinnis Morris lived in Sugarland with her husband of 17 years, Mike, and her 16-year-old stepdaughter, Katie. Just like Mary Lou Morris, she also had short, dark, permed hair, brown eyes, and kind of a rounder face. And according to her family, she had a joyous outlook on life and a very outgoing and bubbly personality. Her sister, Stephanie Lore, said Mary lived life to the fullest. She was just a very outgoing, very bubbly, very happy, friendly person. She loved her job and seemed to get along with all of her work colleagues, except for one, but we're going to touch on that more later. So apparently she worked for something called the American Carbide Corporation as a medical director. She was in charge of a bunch of different medical clinics throughout uh, Houston. Prior to this, she was living in Virginia in around 1998, and she got this job and, and relocated to Houston to take on this job, which was a really good job. She did well in it, and she excelled. She essentially managed a bunch of clinics and also, from what I understand, took on a lot of duties that like a doctor would take on as a nurse practitioner in these clinics. Oh, she was a nurse practitioner. Yeah. Aside from overseeing the clinics, I I read that she was a nurse practitioner. She saw patients. Totally. Prescribed medication. Absolutely. So if you recall, on October 12th, Mary Lou Morris was found murdered in her car. And just three days later, another Mary Morris suffered a similarly violent death. Like the previous murder, 39-year-old Mary McGinnis Morris was found dead in her Dodge Intrepid, a very similar-looking car to the Chevy Lumina, less than 25 miles from where the first Mary had been found in a remote area just a few miles from her home. So while these murders were eerily similar, you know, both named Mary Morris, both had short, dark, permed hair, kind of round faces, brown eyes, similar build. Kind of middle, young, middle-ish age women. Yes. White, yeah, 39, white 48, white, white women. women. Yep. Very similar looking women. Similar looking cars, apparently. Similar looking cars. I mean, how 25 miles from each other, three days apart, same name, same appearance, 
super weird. But there were a few distinct differences that it's important to make note of. Whereas Mary Lou Morris was very happily married to her second husband, Jay, Mary McGinnis Morris and her husband, Mike, were apparently dealing with some pretty intense marital difficulties. Now, I read both sides of this story. So who knows which is true? Several sources said that Mike had recently accused Mary of having an affair with one of their friends. And soon after that, he supposedly took out a large life insurance policy on Mary around $700,000. I read another account that said after the two moved from West Virginia to um, Houston for Mary to take this job, Mary had accused Mike of infidelity Hmm. and that he was having trouble finding a job and couldn't make money and she was the primary breadwinner. So either... Both who knows of these things could be true. Bottom line is they were having some troubles. Did they have kids? Do you know? Um, Mike had a 16-year-old oh, right. daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Katie from a previous marriage. So they were having some marriage problems. And on top of the struggles that Mary McGinnis was having in her marriage, she was also having troubles at work. Not necessarily with her own job because she was great at her job. She excelled quickly. She got along with seemingly everyone. But if you recall, I had said she was having trouble with one yep. coworker mm-hmm. at her job. It was a new, newly hired male nurse named Dwayne Young. She just constantly clashed with this dude. Like they huh. just were having issues. Reportedly, they had a very acrimonious relationship. He was constantly trying to like smear her name and say that she was bad at her job. This went on for a while until it came to kind of a head when Mary one day found all of the things on her desk had been rearranged. Like pictures had been turned over. Things had just been all moved creepy. around. That's kind of creepy. And then there was a note that said death to her. Some accounts said that it was scribbled on the calendar. Others said that it was written on the back of one of her photographs. Either way, death to her was the message on her desk. Wow. And she accused Dwayne of doing this to her her superiors, her bosses. Apparently, he was severely reprimanded. And again, some reports say that he was fired and removed from the building while kicking and screaming and putting up a huge fight. Other reports say that he... You know, he was accused of this and then quit of his own accord. He was like, I'm done. Do any reports say whether or not he said he kind of owned it, like admitted that he no. wrote it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Either way, allegedly, he very seriously blamed Mary for him losing his job. Whether he quit, you know, was forced to quit or was fired, he blamed her, which left Mary, especially after getting that note, death to her, it left her like super worried for her safety and felt she felt like he might come after her. You don't want to miss what happens next in today's murder story. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. So she then asked her husband, Mike, for a gun to protect herself. She said, I want to keep a gun under the seat of my car to protect myself in case anything happens. Because I feel like this guy could come after me. She even talked to one of her friends, Lori, and said, like, 
I'm worried. She told me that she was afraid of this person that she worked with. And I said, do you really think he could hurt you? And she said, yes, I do. And I think he could do worse. She was very concerned. I understand wanting to protect yourself in the best way possible. Also, if the person that you're afraid of is working with you in a a setting, a building, I wonder, did she take the gun that she kept under her seat in her car? Did she take it into work? From everything that I can understand, no. It was something that she just kept in her car, you know. Just in case. Just in case, Yeah. yeah. And so she asked Mike, can you give me a gun? Can I keep it under the seat of my car? He obliged. He apparently took her and showed her how to use it, how to shoot it, in case she found herself in a situation where she needed it. Unfortunately, in the end, Mike's gun training and safety that he taught her would not be enough to save her life. Because on the afternoon of October 16th, 2000, Mary McGinnis Morris, who left work, went to Eckert's Drugstore. Not far from her work, not far from her home. We're talking within a couple miles. And this Drove. Is, drove. And this is the last known place that she was seen alive. While she was there, she called her friend Lori Gimmel to tell her that she thought a strange man was following her. In a later interview, Lori actually said that Mary identified the man as someone that was she had met through Dwayne, her co-worker, but she didn't know his name and she didn't know who he was. But that's who she thought was in the drugstore and she thought he was following her and she felt nervous and da- and in danger. But she told Lori, I'm going to, I'm going to head back to work. I'm going to head back to the office, log out of my computer, and then I'm going to go home. But Mary never made it home. Nine minutes after hanging up with Lori, she apparently called 911. And somewhere in those nine minutes between hanging up with Lori and then calling 911, she was brutally beaten and murdered. And it was mostly caught on the 911 call. We're not releasing the content of the tape. It covers the attack that happened to Mary. And anybody that's ever heard that tape has uh, just had their blood chilled listening to it. It's, it's a very chilling, disturbing call. Yeah, part of me says, thank goodness. Yeah. Like, I'm all bracing myself if you were going to play it. No, I couldn't find it anywhere. It was apparently, like, very... They, they refused to release it because you heard her being beaten and then brutally murdered. Something that they made a specific note of is that she did not refer to anyone by name on the call. Instead, she only referred to the assailant that was attacking her as they. They are attacking me. They are trying to kill me. Maybe she didn't know their name. Wouldn't you say he or she? I don't know. Well, maybe it was two people. They, I guess you're right. They does sound like two people. He's trying to kill me. They are trying to kill me. Both work. Well, and also I wonder what the 911 person asked, because that can also change, like, I don't know. Could change your response. Like, the person there, what are they doing? They're trying to kill me. Yep. I don't know. Either way, the next morning, a wrecker driver? I'm not sure what that is. A record? Wrecker. Wrecker. W-R-E-C-K-E-R. A wrecker driver. I'm picturing, like, someone who, like, pushes garbage off the road or something. I'm not sure if that's true. That's a good lookup list. But a record driver found Mary McGinnis's body in her company car on a remote street not far from Eckert's drugstore. Apparently, the killer had tried to make it seem like it was a suicide by placing the gun, the same one that was she had gotten from Mike that was under her seat on the passenger seat next to her. Well, they, what, did they also shoot her? Yeah, it okay. was confirmed <laughs> that the hidden gun had been the same one used to shoot her in the head one time. 
so he was trying to make it look like a suicide. But investigators at this point, once they really got into the scene, they weren't buying it. They noticed the telltale signs of a struggle. Her clothing was torn. There were bruise marks around her wrists. She had signs of a struggle that let them know that she put up quite a fight against her attacker before she was killed. Plus the 911 call. Plus the 911 call, yes. Harris County Detective Ronald Hunter said, most people think that just because you see a gun at a scene and see a person that shot, that you're supposed to believe that they shot themselves. But this was a very different case. We knew that after looking at the scene more closely, this was definitely 100% a murder. I don't agree with that. Like, do you find a gun at a scene and think that somebody shot themselves? No. I mean, Especially if it's not in their hand. If it's in the passenger seat, it wasn't even in their hand. Well, if they're dead, it's not going to be in their hand unless they're just yeah, yeah, it's not really going to be in their hands but that's still true. that's why I wanted to ask and I thought Jenna just stop asking but like <laughs> where was the gunshot wound also, I think it was right here I think it was front of her forehead <sighs> straight through the front of her head they also found blood on the passenger door which was left open and the keys were found on the ground outside of the car on the passenger side yet she was found in the car in the car so then why was there blood on the passenger door and right. all this bullshit if she was in the car if she actually killed herself i imagine she's not going anywhere right yeah. exactly yeah so one of the biggest differences again there are a lot of similarities same name same area same time i mean within three days of each other they looked the same but there were differences the cause of death was definitely one of them because with mary lou morris's murder the first mary they she was so badly burned they couldn't tell how she was murdered um but for mary mcginnis morris you know they were able to she was not burned the car was not burned out she was found in her car which is similar but the car was not burned But she was murdered. They tried to make it look like a suicide, but she was, in fact, murdered, according to the police. Another pertinent difference. Well, what do you think another difference is? I should ask you. Well, I'm just thinking back to when you introduced this and you said they were murdered in a, I'm paraphrasing, but a very close, grisly way or whatever. But one was burned. One One had a gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. One was had a gunshot wound and not burned. Right. Uh, the other difference, uh, they were close in location, right? Yep. Um, they were both in the car. Mm-hmm. Well, one's body was kind of fully there and one was so burned they only had a fragment of a tooth. What's Same. the other thing? It was in the fact that Mary Lou Morris, the yeah. first Mary, yeah. seemingly had no enemies. There was nothing, oh, there was okay. no one that you could even look at it as a suspect. But Mary McGinnis Morris had two very viable potential suspects that wanted to murder her. Detective Hunter said she was having problems in her marriage. There was also a disgruntled employee that had just been fired that had made a death threat against her. That's true. Yeah, I guess I was thinking the word enemy. And I, for, I didn't forget, but it kind of passed my mind when you said enemy. I was like, well... Okay, but a lot of people at work don't get along with other people. I wouldn't right. necessarily qual- qual- uh, qualify them mm-hmm. as an enemy. And also if someone, I'm not Death saying this her. person did it, but if they're connecting that, okay, enemy. Yeah. And yeah, the 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 husband, the, mm-hmm. the marriage problems, issues. Big life insurance policy, right. Uh, initially, police were looking at both Mike, Mary's husband, and um, Dwayne, the district gruntled kind of co-worker as possible suspects interviewed both of them and apparently on the day of the murders they were able to prove that mike was with his daughter at Mm. the movies 
However, phone records show that he did call Mary's cell phone around the time of her death. It was later determined that the call was actually made after she was already dead, but before her body had been discovered. So could have that been like a cover-up call? Well, Mike claims that he let it ring a few times and hung up. But the phone company shows that the call lasted four minutes and was completed, meaning someone answered. But based on the time of her death and the time that the phone company she says didn't happened, answer. she didn't answer. Oh, wow. Mike maintains that this was a glitch in the phone company's system, but many believe that Mike spoke to someone that he had hired to kill her yep. during these four minutes. Yep. Adding to the suspicion surrounding Mike, as if that wasn't enough, he refused to take a polygraph when he was asked by police, and he refused to let their daughter be interviewed at all by police. He also hired an attorney shortly after the murder. Which, again, we've said this, I think, in various mm-hmm. ways of like, of course, that can make it seem like someone's guilty. And also, it's smart, I think. 100%. When you're accused of anything or might be a possible suspect he, of anything. Even if you're not accused, even if you are just like, if you were murdered, it would be a smart thing. Even if I was anyone across the country, it would be a smart thing for me to hire an attorney because you never know. You just want someone to guide you, especially mm-hmm. because... If someone that you are close to, even if you did murder them, I don't know about this situation, but like if someone close to you, let's say you have no connection to them or no, you didn't murder them, but there's an emotional mind situation going on where you're not thinking fully straight. Yep. You need some legal guidance. Yeah. I agree with that. Another, and I found this super, super interesting. When he was asked about his marriage what was happening and the potential affair, whether it was him who was having the affair or her, he said, um, I confronted her in the person that I suspected her having an affair with. They both looked me in the eye and denied it. I chose to believe them. We have had problems in the last few years, but we were well on our way to solving them. We were back at the point of being best friends when she died. So that's what he said at the time of her death. Um, But something that I thought was really interesting that that kind of raised eyebrows also, and this came mostly from kind of um, armchair sleuths, Um, but they said, I saw a lot of things on like Reddit threads and web sleuths that said, who would have known that gun was under the driver's seat of the car except for Mike? She said to Mike, I want this gun to put under the seat of my car for protection. Who would have known that it would have been there? But did they have to know? Didn't you say it was like, well, Not they used on- it to kill her. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yes. And then, but when they showed up, they found it. It wasn't still under the thing. It was on the passenger seat. Right, so like, right, right. If somebody is going to abduct you when you're leaving the drugstore, because that's the last place she was seen, right. and she's there's 10 minutes when she was killed, somebody's going to abduct you. I'll have a different method of murder. If I'm just randomly abducting you, I, in my mind, hopefully, if I'm not a fucking idiot, I'm going to know how I'm going to murder you. And I'm not going to rely on the fact that maybe you have a gun under your car. Also, sometimes people end up murdering people. I don't like I'm not saying this like I know all the things, but like people end up murdering people that they don't intentionally go in trying to murder them. That's true. So I'm not saying like maybe they he, magically maybe found somebody, the gun, but maybe they did. Also, did anyone interview the one that was potentially having an affair with her? You said I her. I don't know. 
I never found anything about that. There was no... So I'm going to get to this. Because okay, that's a, a big one for me. A, yeah, I have a lot of questions about this. So, okay, so let's go back. So Mike was a suspect. So the other suspect was Dwayne Young, Mary's disgruntled co-worker. Who they thought scratched death to you or something. Wrote death to you yeah. on her desk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I wanted to know, and I know you don't know this, but I'll put it to anyone who's in my kind of brain. Did they put a um, person who is... Handwriting specialist. Yeah, thank you. I wrote that down. And I- they did not. And that's, okay. and that's what I'm going to lead up to in a second because huh. I have a lot of issues with this case. So as for Dwayne, they interviewed him. They could not find any connection between him and this murder. So he was suspicious, certainly, because she had a terrible relationship with him, apparently. But... There was no hard evidence that linked him to this murder and his uh, alibi and whatnot kind of kept him from being an official suspect ever. At this point, I just want to ask you, do you think knowing what you know now, do you think these crimes are um, related or just random coincidences? I mean, I want to say related, but I have no reason besides that they have the same name, really, and same area. Like, there's a lot of sames, but like... I want to know, did Mary Lou and Mary McGinnis Never knew ever each cross other. paths nope. to anyone's knowledge? So nope. then, no, I actually don't think they're related. Okay. What do you think about Mike Morris's four-minute phone call that he says is a glitch in the phone system? I don't think it's a glitch. That's not to say I don't think technology can be glitchy or like you know, um, report uh, historical reports of uh, cell phone logs. Yeah, I just, it's not enough to make you suspicious. No, and it's also, no, no, it's not enough. No, 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 no. It's not (laughs) enough him saying it's a glitch. That's not enough for me to say, oh, it's a glitch. Forget that. Right. It's also not enough for me to say he fucking did it. Okay. Yeah, I I got nothing. And you are not alone in that. A lot of people had nothing. Can you tell me who did it? So at this point, the families were speculating that a sloppy hitman was hired to kill one of the Marys and accidentally killed the wrong one and then realized that he killed the wrong one and went after the right one. The right one was the second one. Well, that's what this is what the families are speculating, that Mary Lou Morris, who worked at the bank, was the victim of a hitman who was actually after the other Mary McGinnis Morris hired by Mike, her husband. Mm. Mary Lou's daughter, the first Mary's daughter, Marilyn. Marilyn, said, the more I look at pictures of the other Mary, the more I begin to think that it must have been a mistaken identity. They look extremely similar. And the fact they were both brutally murdered, there had to be a connection. There must have been a mistaken identity involved here. And then Mary McGinnis Morris, the second Mary's sister, heard about this, like, potential, these theories, and she was horrified. She said, if by chance this was someone who was hired to kill my sister, it's an incredibly sad thing to me that they got the wrong person. My heart goes out to Marilyn and her stepfather. Well, they got the wrong person, if this is the case, and then the quote-unquote right person. Yep. Well, and the thing that sticks in my mind when you say that is, okay, so if Mike hired so-and-so hitman to kill his wife, Mary McGinnis, and said there's a gun under the seat when he went to first and wrong Mary Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he went looking for the gun. He couldn't find it and 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 said, I got to take care of this anyway, so let me 
do something, set her on fire or whatever Ooh, he did. Oh, that's a good theory. That's a really good theory. I've I've I have watched a lot of potential theories on this and that was not necessarily exactly one of them. So that's a good one. But I do agree. you know what happened? Well, we're gonna get there. So Mary Lou Morris first Mary's husband Jay said the odds of two people named Mary Morris killed in the same city within a few days of each other are astronomical. Unfortunately, a lack of evidence, no confession, and a lack of murder weapon have doomed both of these cases in a court of law. So all the family members thought, like, this is definitely a a mistaken identity hitman case gone wrong. But detectives didn't agree. Detectives said, unless you had a totally bumbling hitman that just went by and said, I will just look for the first Mary Morris I can, I don't see that as a viable option. It was a big coincidence, but as far as we consider it right now, that's exactly what it is. Just a coincidence. Well, yeah, because if I actually think about it more, it's like if, and this is also if Mike, Mary McGinnis's husband, was the one who hired whoever mm-hmm. to kill her, it's like, well, Mike, like the first Mary, Mary, Mary Lou. Lou Morris was killed somewhere between when she left the home and on her way to Chase Bank. Mm-hmm. So Mary McGinnis doesn't work at Chase Bank. So if someone hired so-and-so to kill Good a Mary point. Morris, would they say, catch her over here on her way to work where she doesn't actually work? That's a very good point. Very good, good point. I should be an investigator. You might should be an investigator. <laughs> okay, so there's another similarity between these that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the fact that from both of these murder scenes... There's only one very obvious thing missing, and that was both of their wedding rings. Oh, you didn't say that, though, about... Did you about Mary McGinnis? I don't know, but I'm saying it now. Thank goodness. And this is often a sign of a classic hit. Not a mob hit, but a hired hit. Because the killer would murder the husband or wife and then take the wedding ring back to the person who hired them to say, look, here's their ring. They're done. I murdered them. Right. So both wedding rings were gone from both Marys. But strangely, months after Mary McGinnis's murder, Mary number two, mm-hmm. Mike's daughter from his previous relationship was seen wearing the ring that he had reported as missing. From so no scene. one brought it back to him. When he was asked about it, he said... He had just found the ring in his home and forgotten to inform the police about it. Well, I wonder if that's true or if daughter had something to do with it now. Hey. So, a few more weird things before we wrap this up. I found a really interesting Reddit thread of these kind of like online true detective type people. And there were there was some interesting information here um, about Mary Lou's car and belongings. First Mary. So after the police examined the car that was very badly burnt out and Jay got it back, he quickly scrapped the car, meaning he sold it for for any remaining parts, if there were any that were viable, which there really weren't. I mean... That seems even surprising that he could sell anything for anything. Yeah. The cops apparently, according to Marilyn, Mary's daughter, never searched that hard for Mary's wedding ring. Maybe it was it fell off or was destroyed by the fire, but they found other jewelry that was destroyed. But they could see remnants of it. and they Exactly. Because that's what I was going to ask. Yes. I thought maybe there was like a burn of a jewel or something yeah. onto her skin. It's maybe they found other pieces of her jewelry burned somewhere on her body yes. or, or in the car. But nothing. No the wedding. wedding ring. Yes. Oh, okay. 
Also, six months after Mary Lou's murder, Jay received a strange bill in the mail. It was a $2,000 bill for his wife's phone cards, like calling cards, like minutes. Uh, Here we go. Back to the cards. And police were able to trace these phone cards to a 16-year-old girl in Galveston, Texas. They went and interviewed her, and the teenager told the police that her neighbor had given the phone cards to her. And when questioned by the police, the neighbor said, I found this purse in a convenience store parking lot about a month ago, and I found a bunch of different personal belongings in the purse, including these phone cards. So police took the purse, took the phone cards, all that, brought it back to Mary's family. But when they returned the purse to Mary's family, Jay and Marilyn were like, this isn't Mary's purse. This is not my mom, my wife's purse. Her phone cards may have been in there, but this was not hers. Weird. There's nothing, I don't know, there's nothing else I have on that. It's just a little bit strange. That's why I didn't ask. Because I got no questions on it. It's weird. Weird, I don't know where to go with it. I have this in my weird notes section. So another weird thing is that, sadly, Marilyn, Mary Lou's daughter, um, claims that after her mom's murder, she, who had a once very close relationship with her stepfather, it kind of soured after this, and they are no longer on speaking terms. And there's one final theory that a bunch of online web sleuths have come up up with about this, that the first Mary Morris was actually the one who a hitman was hired for by Jay. Okay. And then he, this hitman purposefully killed the second Mary Morris to throw, to throw people off, to cover his tracks, to like add a bunch of questions and that alleged call to the Houston Chronicle saying, like, you got the wrong Mary. It was a red herring. I don't buy that. And I know I'll find out in a moment. I just, because to me, and again, I know in a moment I could be proven terribly wrong. But to me, it's like someone's going to take the chance to do two murders right. to try Instead and throw off one. one. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, to me, it doesn't. But I'm not a murderer. So fine. So something else that has come out is that years after, um, in an interview, Mary Lou's daughter, Marilyn, lightly kind of hinted at some suspicion towards her stepfather, Jay. She shared a story saying that, and I think I alluded to this earlier, that when they were going to that burned out car, that Jay was given the wrong directions and like wrong location. But somehow he ended up being able to still find where the car was. Okay, you didn't, I don't think you said he was given the wrong location. You said he went a roundabout way, which still my mind went into that place. Also, that lets me know that for many years, at least, if not for up until now, no one had been, for many, you said many years later, Marilyn said, oh, this is a thought in my mind. Mm -hmm. So it took many years or this is unresolved. Yes, this is unresolved. God damn it. I know. The eerily similar murders of both Mary Morris's has for decades never been solved. Not only has it never been solved, but aside from Mike Morris and Dwayne Young, there's literally no official suspects who have ever been named. And this obviously has been torture for the family. So for years, Mary McGinnis's sister, Stephanie Lore, called the Harris County Sheriff's Department regularly every week asking for updates on her sister's case. She went on TV pleading for any information. And then Mike Morris, on the other hand, was very uncooperative when it came to finding who murdered 
his wife. He refused to give statements after refusing the polygraph, and he was never named as a suspect. He soon after moved himself and his daughter to West Virginia, and really no one has heard from him since then. Which isn't the weirdest thing, because they came from West Virginia. Sure, of course. But the fact that he was so unwilling to participate or help... I did read that Dwayne Young, the disgruntled employee, like he has gone on podcasts, he has been on Reddit threads, he has been everywhere claiming his innocence and and desperately trying to find out who did it because he says he didn't. So he wants to find who did so that he can clear his name. I have no idea about this person. So I'm just going to say the first thought in my mind, which honestly no basis, but like if he didn't do it, I don't think he did it if he's going to be so public. And also, is he really trying to clear his name or just make a name for himself? Be Both, known. maybe. Also, I think, yeah, maybe Mike Morris, or I don't know if that mm-hmm. was his last name, yeah. um, was very uncooperative, which could make people say like, ding, ding, like, ooh, did he, is he mm-hmm. guilty? Mm-hmm. But to me, it doesn't say that because those are just words. He was uncooperative. So he could have been. And it could mean, yeah, maybe he's got something to hide. Or maybe he's devastated. Yeah. And doesn't think that him, who didn't do it and knows nothing, going on podcasts or, or whatever, right. or doing a like, he's like, what's this going to help? Right. So maybe let me Live. recombobulate yeah. my life. I like that word, recombobulate. That's not I a agree. word, but yeah. Like, I, like I just it. don't think that means he did it. Yeah. I don't know. So Obviously, no one- I don't know. No one has ever been charged for either of Mary Morris's murders. No murder weapon was ever found in Mary Lou Morris's murder. And over two decades later, their families are still searching for answers. There is one small silver, I don't know if you can call this a silver lining. I read somewhere they called it a silver lining. I thought it was kind of, you know, if we can add a little minor amount of positivity to the end of this. Um, In 2015, Mary's daughter, Marilyn, and Mary McGinnis's sister, Stephanie, met while taping an episode of the Montel Williams show that detailed the case. In 2015, wow, Montel Mm -hmm. is really spanning decades. Mm -hmm. And since that show, the two have built a close friendship and Marilyn actually moved to Connecticut to be close to where Stephanie lives. That's nice. And the tragedy, they they say the tragedy brought them together, that they lost, they both lost a loved one, but they gained like a new friend slash family member. Yeah, Yeah, that's really lovely. They're very close apparently now. I bet they both still wish to have their loved one back. Of course. And also, yes, that's that is really lovely. I like that. It's the best positive because there's no conclusion to this case, and it's so there's so many like I don't know. I mean, I watch so many videos where people are like, "Oh, it was definitely the husband. Oh, it was definitely Dwayne. Oh, it was definitely Jay." I have a different thought, Who but knows? I'm going to tell you once we get off this. And I don't think there's any positive to this, even if they found the murderer, killer, whoever. There's no positive. It's just like we have um, close, not even closure, but like answers. There but are I, no answers. Right, though. there are none. Mm-hmm. I have a different theory. Okay, hold on. Before you no, say I'm not. I'm not going to say it on here. Oh, you're not? Okay. Not at all, because I have no idea. I have no idea either. I meant to say this when I was talking about that Jay, he didn't know that he got the wrong location. And so Marilyn became suspect of her stepdad after the death. And then also allegedly... Jay apparently didn't show much grief over Mary's death. And not too long after she died, he remarried a Russian mail order bride. That means nothing to me. I'm sorry. Okay. That's fair. It really doesn't. Like, I get 
I trust me, my head wants to go there. And also, just a lonely middle aged older man. Yeah, I don't true. know. That's you know, true. It, no, I think that's a fair assumption. It could mean something, but it could definitely not. And again, it it's nothing. all subjective. Like yep. he wasn't very sad or he what like, well, everybody shows at, grief in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's true. That's also true. maybe he fucking did it. Maybe, but 23 years later, no one has officially been named a suspect. There has been no serious, serious evidence linking to there's anyone. There's been no identified no. suspect. No, there's been nothing. And that really bothered me about this case because it almost seemed in all the research that I did, it almost seemed like, how did you not dig deeper? What do you mean? You didn't find any DNA? There was no one else's DNA? I mean... I watch CSI from 2000 and in a stupid TV show, I feel like they're digging deeper than the than they dug in this case. But maybe that's because it's a stupid TV show. So things yeah. are set up yeah. like in the burn thing. There's clearly no nothing. DNA. Yeah, it, it destroyed all evidence. That's true. That's and true. I don't know. I don't watch CSI. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there was a lack of evidence, no suspects and just. I mean, I can't even imagine how incredibly awful that would be. And, um, you know, if anyone listening happens to have any information about this case, we urge you to call the Harris County Sheriff's Department Homicide Division at 713-967-5810. And other than that, I mean, the only thing that's left to say is is just how awful in our hearts go out to the to both Mary Morris's families. I also think, and I don't know if you can cut this if this isn't appropriate or whatever, but a lot of times maybe people, if they do have something like a legitimate or what they think could be legitimate, mm-hmm. not just theories, yeah. if they have like, what do you call it? Like not evidence, but tip. like tip. Yeah. If someone has a legitimate tip or what they think could be a legitimate tip and they don't feel comfortable calling that hotline number, maybe they can reach out to our podcast and totally. we could pass that info on. 100%. That's yeah. a great call. Because a great lot of people, call. that's overwhelming to me. Like, Because what if it's not right? It may not be right or spot on or the a good, quote unquote, good tip. And also- yep. We'll pass it along if you think it could mean something. I think that always stands. If anything that we ever discuss, any of the unsolved cases that we ever discuss or solved cases for that matter, you have any information that could be useful and you you don't know who to turn to or you're scared to turn to someone, please, we have an email. We have social media. Feel free to reach out. Turn to us and we'll turn it on Margo to turn to someone else. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Yes, we will. So... Unsolved. I know that's not the favorite, but I just thought this is just such a confounding, interesting story to not share. So we will uh, say once again, thoughts are with the families. Thank you for listening. I always feel awkward saying this after a terrible story, but please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us and we appreciate it. We love hearing from you. We love the good ones, but we also even love the bad ones, I think, at this point. So please leave us a review. And um, we also love the neutral ones or the medium ones. Yeah, we love all of them. We're, we're review agnostic. So leave That's us all right. of them. And with that, we will say good night and good luck. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Bye. And if you want to see pictures of the victims, the murderers, and any additional related images, head over to our Instagram right now. Our handle across all social media platforms is death, then the letter X, and then Southwest spelled out. So D-E-A-T-H-X-S-O-U-T-H-W-E-S-T. 
deathxsouthwest. Death by Southwest is a Cavalry Audio production. Hosted by Jenna Schneider and Margot Carmichael. Produced by Margot Carmichael. Associate produced by Jenna Schneider. Executive produced by Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Audio editing and sound design by Revision Sound. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.